Good evening, Patriots. And it is Wednesday, November 16th on the West Coast and on the East Coast. You just crossed over into Thursday, getting past the midpoint and heading into Friday, which is good. Patriots, make sure right now that you're getting a great night's sleep. And with a great night's sleep, you need great products. And great products, make sure that you go to the best place to get those, and that is MyPillow.com. They literally have the most comfortable sheets on the market, the best pillows on the market. That's the MyPillow Classic, the Giza Cotton Sheets. Their comforters are amazing and a great value. Down comforters and put that with a duvet and put that on a MyPillow mattress. The entire system's wild. It's the best night's sleep you're going to have. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You will not be disappointed. It is a wonderful opportunity to save a lot of money and right now a great time to get gifts for Christmas. Their service is fast. takes about five or six days to get it in and you will have the best gifts around. And if you're really looking for something to make the holiday fun, especially when you have liberal family members, get them each a MyPillow. And if they have children, get them a MyPillow with Bible verses on it. And then do that and sit around at Christmas time and send them home with them at Thanksgiving. Send those gifts home with them and tell them to open them up before they come and see you on Christmas Day. That's the fun stuff you have to do. So with your liberal family, make sure they get everything they need to sleep well. That's it. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. Well, Patriots, there's some crazy stuff here going on. Does that surprise you? Shouldn't. So here's this comes from an article from Robbie Starbuck. He writes, you'll never going to guess who funded Together, the, the, the Together trial. Together is the name of the trial. Not, not, not court trial, but test trial for medicine, which concluded ivermectin was ineffective to treat COVID. Here it comes. You ready for this, Patriots? Democrat donor Sam Bankman-Fried's bankrupt scam of a company, FTX. Oh, and Sam's brother is the director of the nonprofit called Guarding Against Pandemics. Isn't that convenient? It says the authors of the of the study conducted a large-scale trial known as Together that looked at both ivermectin and the antidepressant flux fluoxamine as possible treatments and they concluded that ivermectin is not useful against the disease. According to the article, treatment with ivermectin did not result in lower incidence of medical admission to a hospital due to progression of COVID-19 or of prolonged emergency department observation among outpatients with an early diagnosis of COVID-19. Reporting on the article, the New York Times, our favorite Maggie Hagerman, there you go, quoted one infectious disease expert who had read the study, Dr. David Bulwar, of the University of Minnesota stating there's really no sign of any benefit. While another Dr. Paul Sachs of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, oh, by the way, Boston's the same one that started the transgender clinic for kids. At some point, it will become a waste of resources to continue studying an unpromising approach. All of that was funded by FTX. That's something. Here's what's interesting 
from a, another little story that I'll share with you. It's important. And we talked a lot about forgiveness, and we've talked a lot about the power of forgiveness and truly having a forgiving heart as we go along and trusting in the Lord for justice. So those are important points about what I'm going to talk about. The A year ago, um, Bards Fest, a little over a year ago, Bards Fest happened. It was in August, actually, in 2021. And yes, before somebody posts it on the board, yes, there will be another Bards Fest. This year are probably going to be local rallies, and then we'll have a big Bards Fest in 2024. But there, that's got that out of the way. Whew. No more, no more hate mail. Good. All right. So what happened leading up to Bards Fest, if you recall, is that we were raising money for the ticket sale. With through ticket sales, we were raising money. And I, I'm pointing this out for a couple of things because this is also how God turns evil into good. And so Shortly before, about three weeks before the festival, Media Matters did a hit piece on me, if you recall this, and they proclaimed me to be a, a QAnon militia leader. And in so doing, they used their army of bots and trolls and people that were writing nasty grams, and they had us deplatform from ticket sales. So that left us in a bit of a quandary because obviously all the, the way those ticket sales work is you don't get your money until the event begins. And we were counting on that money to pay for the event, and it was not a small dollar figure. So that hit me pretty hard. Not the article, I could care less. But the idea like, oh, here we are, and I was, it was on, in my name holding a pretty high dollar event bill without the means to pay for the whole thing. And so I, I prayed on it, and God said, make it, make the event donation-driven. Don't charge anything. Just make it donation-driven. And I, my first response was, you've got to be kidding me. And there isn't, you don't debate God on certain things. <laughs> this was one that was pretty clear. There was no debate. If I wanted to succeed, there's only one way to go, and that was to listen to God. So I got hold of our web designer and he says, I can have a ticket. I've told you this story before, so bear with me. He said, I can have a ticket platform done in 24 and 48 hours. And he did. And it was a ticket platform that you could not only create tickets, but we had an app to go with it that we could scan the tickets. It was a professional ticket platform when we got through with it. It's still on our website if we need to use it. So we did that in 48 hours and literally within the next three weeks, Bards Nation rallied and did an amazing job with, and just incredible what happened because the whole principle was the event, There's, it's a donation-only event. We want everybody to come. There's not going to be any priority seating, and we're not going to, that's how God laid, laid it out for me. And we're going to have just, if you can afford to pay for somebody else, do that. If not, just come. Well, I'm going to tell you, what came out of Bards Nation is to this day so humbling, I can't even tell you. People not only donated, but they were coming from all over the country. We had people from Alaska and Hawaii came in. 
at a young man from, I'll always remember him because he, he had flown in by himself. He was a young man in his 20s that had listened to the show every day, and he came there just to be part of that on his own, flew in from Idaho. That was just so cool. I loved the young young people that were there and the kids. And it was a great event. It really was. We had an amazing team and, and all that. But back to media, back to the hit piece. Media Matters did the hit hit piece. And at one point, if you all remember, I let David Barack, who is the who was the CEO of Media Matters, I let David Brock know my opinion of him, which was not kind because I I can't stand him. And I'll add more to that story in a second. And um, he that goes back to 2015 when he stood up Media Matters. And Media Matters' primary job at the early days was to discredit the Pizzagate investigation that the Patriots were doing. So you can start putting these pieces together. If you discredit early on, I mean, their, their strategy was not focused on Pizzagate, but when Pizzagate came up, they were employed or I should say deployed, to discredit the Pizzagate investigation. They were one of the primary forces there because they were the, they were the aggregator of articles that would then be pushed into the media and the media would publish them. So very much like 3 a.m. 3 talking points except doing it with articles. And I had actually taken their operational manual, which they wrote. It was, a, it was an operational framework, I should say, because it was a series of slides that I was able to get hold of when I was working in Department of Defense, and I actually briefed it as this is what true enemy information warfare looks like. So he was not on my friendly list for a long time. I didn't know as much about him. I just knew he was a communist hag that was typical extremist liberal that believed heavily in woke politics. And that's about as far as I knew about him at that time. I also knew that he was gay. That doesn't typically make a big deal, but it does in this story. Because it's once again, the marring of what that whole group represents. Because what ends up happening then is Media Matters does the hit piece on me. We get deplatformed. I listen, we pray on it. The whole team prayed on it. God gave it, gave me an answer. He's like, do this. I did. I followed the team followed it with amazing support. Bards Nation responded beautifully as a f- whole collective family. We All the bills were paid, and we had an amazing festival that everybody was participant in. Nobody was limited. And, of course, we know that we spent two days repenting and praying and ultimately having a rainbow finish out the weekend, which was incredible. So that's kind of the Reader's Digest version. And then somewhere in there, I took on David Barack on one of my shows and expressed my <laughs> true love for him and his scumbags that worked that organization. And at the time, that's when I said, you made a, you've, you've even insulted me by the title, calling me a militia leader of a QAnon group. I, and I said, I'm a warlord for Christ, so next time get it right. And that's when all of you decided that you would tag me once in a while with warlord, <laughs> which still makes me laugh because David Brock gets crushed. So anyway... Fast forwarding here a little bit, I'm going to read you a couple posts here that are in relative. November 13th, 2022, this is Ethnios. For those who may not know, Liz Crokin gave up everything to focus on saving the innocent. Could have kept a cushy job in media, but God called her to be a watchwoman. 
was, quote, let go by town hall. If you if you listen or read town hall, they're a conservative outlet. Keep in mind, they let Liz Crokin go at town hall after her trafficking article became number one viral story for them that year. She's had deep state actors break into her home and poison her food. Her dog was poisoned. She's had to swiftly change locations due to imminent threats. She stands boldly as a warrior. That comes from Ethnios on November 13th, 2022. Then this on November 16th, this is today. Keep in mind that she's also been after pedophiles. And that's the part of the story I didn't add yet. David Barak is in her crosshairs, which means that David Barak not only covered up Pizzagate, but he's a pedophile. And I've known that for a while. So this is the news as of today. And David Brock writes, As of today, I am leaving my roles as chairman of the board of Media Matters for America, Media Matters Action Network and American Bridge. It's been my great honor to work with such talented and committed team over the last 20 years. I'll be sharing more about my next steps soon. I'll bet you will probably be writing from a prison cell. And Liz Crokin writes, Breaking, she writes, James Alephantis' ex-boyfriend, David Brock, has resigned as chairman for Media Matters. His organization has invested a lot of time and money covering up Pizzagate and attacking myself and other patriots these past six years. Hashtag notable. Well, Bars Nation, you were part of that too, indirectly. And that's why I wanted to share this tonight. You see, we talk about justice. We talk about justice and trusting in God. And we talk about patience. And this is a great example of justice and patience and not having anger. I could have, this could have eaten me up. I could have been obsessed about this troll. But I'm honestly, I prayed on it. I forgave him for what he did for us. I'm not, I didn't get into his millstone activity. I just forgave him for what he did because forgiveness, as I have told you over and over, is just taking it off my heart. It wasn't going to burden me anymore. I'm like, Father, you've got this one. We'll listen to you. And we had an amazing festival. And the only thing I had to remind him was the truth, which is don't call me a militia leader for QAnon. I'm a warlord for Jesus. If you're going to play games like that, and you're going to find out what that's like. Well, David Brock, here's the next offer for you, and I hope you're listening. If you want to accept Jesus, give me a call. I'll be right there. But you might want to think about that, because I know what's on your heart, and I know what's in your head, and I know you're going to need a heck of a lot of forgiveness. So, offers extended, David Brock. Give me a ring. I'll be happy to help you walk to Jesus. Patriots, this is how we fight in the end. There's always an ugliness in fighting. But in the end, our biggest thing is that we stand our ground. We trust in the Lord. We let unburden our hearts. And I'll use that rather than saying forgiveness for the moment. It's, this, it's one and the same, but I think it makes a little, it's easier to swallow
because of what we're dealing with, with this heinous evil that we're dealing with. We unburden our hearts and pass it to God. And from there, we pray into justice and we walk with the joy of Jesus and the love of Christ in our heart and we keep walking. Now, to be clear, I'm not inviting Barack over to dinner. (laughs) I will guarantee that would not go well. Just so we are clear. <laughs> so I want to be, because I always, I somewhere, not here, but I, when I talk about this outside, people are going to be like, so what? You're going to forgive him and you're going to bring him over to dinner? I'm like, no. No, that's not what I said. So just so I'm clear, no invites for dinner, no Christmas cards, other than David Brock, if you want to accept Jesus, give me a call. I'm happy to help. I'll walk you right to the feet of God. And from there, it's on you. Okay. So there's a, a still a little bit of, we're going over President Trump's speech. And here's where I'm, I'm at. Someone asked me before the show if I was encouraging people not to vote for President Trump. And I'm like, no, that's not at all what I'm doing. That's on each of your hearts to do as God leads. I'm not going to get involved in politics that way at this point. We're going to get close to 2024. I'm sure I'll have plenty of opinions that you can tune into and we can all share them and we can all have great debates and and loving arguments and we'll end up at the end of the day breaking bread and praying for Jesus to lead us to the right place no matter how we vote and we'll be happy Americans because that's what we do and we walk with Christ. So there, that's, that's the fast forward to what's coming. Right now, my whole discussion last hour was literally just about how flat that speech was and what America, in my opinion, needed and what we didn't get. And as you heard, I did say, I do encourage everybody to continue to pray to President Trump because he does need prayers. And he needs prayers to bring him to Jesus because it's not happening. There's too much of the me and the material. In defining what has he defined make America great, I just need to point out a few things in the speech. In his close, he defines what it means to make America great again. And in that, there was just a kind of a token nod to God and a God bless America. I don't even think he he mentioned God bless America. If I'm not mistaken, there was no God bless America in that speech. But the definition of making America great was make America powerful again, wealthy again, proud again, safe, secure again, make her great again. So if you have a Founders Bible, highly encourage you to get one if you don't have one. But if you have a Founders Bible, Pastor Brad Cummings wrote a really interesting section. I'm not going to go through read it all tonight. Um, I think we will go through it, though. I'll go through some of it right now. And interestingly, this uh, keep in mind, this Bible was written, or not written, but this Bible was put together, This I think it was in 2012 when they did this. And it wasn't just one year project. It, t- it took a while. But What Makes America Great is a title of a section on page 2009. And I just want to read a little bit of this beginning piece here. It's about, it's not very long. It's about five pages. 
It says, America once again stands at the crossroads of human history with the eyes of the world looking on, wondering at the choices we will make. For centuries, this has been the land of the free, the home of the brave, a beacon of enduring hope, and a place of genuine promise. Lady Liberty stands with her torch held high, crying out, Give me your tired, your poor, your, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. And immigrants from around the world have streamed to these shores with the hopes and dream of a better life. This was one place you could come to with the dream of owning a piece of land. That is, if you came and worked hard and cultivated the land, you could actually have something that was yours. You could make your way and build a better life. That was the American dream. It said hard work mattered. It, doesn't, it's, it wasn't going to be given to you. You weren't entitled to it, but the opportunity was there. It inspired you to believe, to hope, to try. It said to you, dare to dream. And if you were willing to risk, you could create, innovate, and see your dreams come true. Is that dream dead? Are those days over? Sadly, some dejected and in despair have given up and say, it is. Others hurl insults and deride America as the source of all the great evils in the world. For a misguided and ungrateful few, it has become fashionable to mock her former glory and ridicule anyone who has ever believed in her greatness. But are they right? It would seem that we are in the throes of a national identity crisis, no longer sure of who we are or where we are headed. We don't know if it's okay to be proud to, of being American and all the good that once rep, it represented, or if we should be ashamed and apologize for our existence. Caught in that conundrum, is there any wonder why we find ourselves in, the, in this predicament? an intimidated victim of political correctness gone awry, we are in danger of squandering a heritage that was once the envy of the entire world. Why? In large measure, it's because we have forgotten where we came from and what has made this country great. I'll continue a bit. America did not become the world's greatest superpower by accident. The principles that were sown into the fabric and foundation of our society are in large part with what have enabled America to become the most prosperous, freest nation on earth and the most enduring constitutional government known to man. Those are no small feats, but America is not great just because of the great ideas that gave her birth and the great ideals by which she lives. America has been great because, for the most part, she has been good. She has been the defender of freedom, a help to the needy, a rescuer to those in crisis, as opposed to a tyrannical dictator with a global hunger for conquest. She has been a benevolent force of stability and blessing to much of the world. 
When nations have been in trouble, America, more often than not, has come to their aid as the bigger global mobilizer for, of help. I shudder to think what the world would be like if America failed to respond to World War II and entered the fight to stop Hitler and his totalitarian Nazi regime, which decided later to come here and settle in and make themselves home. Patriots, there's a really amazing part about this that I, I'm trying to highlight is that when you define America principally by power, wealth, pride, safe, that's not who we are. And, and it's unfortunately that the greatness of America, when it's defined that way, is very shallow and it lacks the virtues that God gave us as a great nation. One of the things that is very evident when you travel the world is the respect that people have for Americans. Sure, you hear, you always have the idiot that travels around loud and boisterous that wears his Hawaiian shirt to the middle of some southern little village in Afghanistan or in uh, France, screaming loud and boisterously with his cowboy hat as he walks around the town wanting everybody to know that he's a rich American as he gets off the bus. <laughs> and if you speak French like I did, you kind of cower away and try to hide because it's so embarrassing. You have those. We call that the ugly American. But that's not the heart of America. The heart of America is an America that truly lives on values of our faith. And it's coming back. That's the beautiful thing. It's reviving. We have a long ways to go. We have a, we're going to a new level, though. As a nation, we're really growing up. And as a nation, we're starting to really strive to be something greater than we've ever been. And I think that's what we're missing a little bit here. And, and I'm seriously missing a bit of it, too. We hammer on the inequities, and there's plenty. And we hammer on the failures, and there's plenty. But let us not forget as well that in this moment in time, as we are listening and as we're responding to the call of Father God, as we're digging deeper into our relationship in faith, we're also growing. We were a young nation, have been, and really we've been young and juvenile up until, frankly, up until President Trump lost in 2020. Even under President Trump, we, were, we remained young and juvenile. We looked to him to fix our problems. Like as young teenagers, we were running around going, woohoo, look at how much money I'm making. And woohoo, look at my new car. Look at my new clothes. Look at my new house. And then all of a sudden, dad got unemployed and the car got wrecked. And there was no money to replace it. And the rent was due. And mom had to work a job to carry the family. And dad got hooked on oxycodone, oxycodone. And all the horrors of the life of the great dream of America fell apart. America has been great not because of the material things but primarily because she has been God's. That's right. She has been God's, as in the possessive. We didn't just focus on ourselves. We used our hearts to think about others. 
President Trump provided a moment in time that literally allowed us to finally look around and say what happened. We realized that we were many, not few. I said this in the previous show, and I really mean this. I have so much respect for what he did in his rallies. He had aggressively went after the most vicious uh, violators of our trust, and that was the media. And he forced them to ultimately show the crowds. And that's so important because as we've learned, we've realized that one of the greatest manipulations visually these people have done is we've been dependent upon a, a facade was that we weren't actually seeing crowds, but we assumed we were seeing crowds and people didn't necessarily have crowds, but they made us believe that they did. And in so doing, we started to believe that we were few and they were many. That's the classic PSYOP trip, trick. And President Trump showed us that we were many. And however we were tagged, MAGA, America First, the subsections of Q, just people being patriots. We really have begun to grow and realize that we are the people of the country and the stewards of this nation not the overlords that position themselves in places like D.C. And sadly, what I think we witnessed last night in President Trump's speech as well is we have grown greatly. And while he's been fighting, I don't think he's realized, as a father sometimes does or fails to do, how the children and the teens that he was leading are now adults. We're not there anymore to wreck the car or drive it at 70 miles an hour around the curve. We're not there anymore to get home late after we drank a couple beers and and trying to slip in and nobody knows you. You were trying to think nobody knows you're coming home late after hours. We're not being trying to find our way out of our chores so that we can go play another round of a video game. And we're not slipping into the back room to talk to our boyfriend or girlfriend on our cell phone and do it in a way where mom and dad won't really know who we're talking to. That's all that delinquent way of living that we had. But suddenly we got a wake-up call as a nation, as a people, as a great people. We got a wake-up call. And that wake-up call ripped at us. It still does. And it happened in waves. It began with a mask. It followed with a vax and a loss of an election that we thought we had. And we did, but it was stolen. It moved on to the violation of trust of every leader we thought we could trust. We already knew we couldn't trust a bunch of them, but the ones we thought we could stabbed us in the back. And then we had January 6th, where we watched our law enforcement, which was always hailed as the premier law enforcement in the world, turn into some subsection of the Stasi as they raided people's homes, arrested people recklessly, and even instigated, as we learned later, had instigated much of the problem just to frame and entrap people that were politically different than them. We went on in a year of watching loved ones die, friends die from something that even the president that we trusted so much it promoted. 
It was called the Vax. And we went through a pretty difficult moment as a nation to realize that this is uglier than we ever thought. And then we hear the platitudes of things like, we're going to elect this person and we're going to elect that person. And we're told to believe again now in the election system, which we did one more time. And they called it, it was going to be a red wave. And there was a victory. That victory was the ousting of Nancy Pelosi. I'll give them that. That's worth a lot. But it wasn't a red wave. It was a victory in a couple spots and the rest of it was a puddle. But worse than that, it was the idea that we had been once again reassured that no matter what happened, we could overwhelm the system and we would vote and our vote would be true. The second time in two years, we could trust in the voting system. And they knew it, they couldn't, and we went along with the lie because we wanted to believe in the dream. And we got screwed again. We've grown up a lot since 2015. We're not the same people. We're wiser. We're a little more jaded. We don't trust as easily. We're not as naive. We've got some serious righteousness burning in our heart for justice. We're struggling with anger. We're struggling at times with vengeance. And I'm not speaking in any other way than truth because it's normal. I want you to hear that. And we're each trying to find our way through this, looking to God, saying, God, help me through this. We're trying to be greater than we've ever been. And you know the best part about that is? We will be. We will be greater than we've ever been because we put finally more and more and each day deeper and deeper, we put the faith and trust that needed to be placed with God all along. We're giving it to him. Our nation will be great again. Our nation will be powerful again. Our nation will be wealthy again. Our nation will be safe again. But it's not going to be because of the ideas of force and power and material wealth. It's going to be wealthy in our faith in God, powerful and mighty in our strength and love in Jesus. We're going to carry not pride, but humility. Our nation will be humble. And through humility comes great power and grace. We will be safe again because we fear nothing and we fear less than ever before because We're anchoring with the most powerful, the most high. And we will make her great again because we've trusted in him to do so. So to President Trump's speech last night and to anybody on the Trump team or Mr. President yourself, please hear this. You missed the mark. We've grown up more than you realize We're an amazing people, but we've understood that we're amazing because we've humbled ourselves before the Lord. We're trusting in God, not in you. And so last night, the speech, it didn't have the zing, 
I don't know if that's because you did that because you're some great psyoper that is trying to be that Sun Tzu dude that brings the enemy closer like people want to believe. Or if it's even more piercing than that, that you've lost your anointment from God because you didn't give him credit. So patriots, that's something as a reminder to us all. We've worked hard to come back to this time. We've struggled and put up with a lot of trial. And that's something that we can never forget. We can forgive infinitely in our heart. And we can know that in forgiveness and in the love for one another that as we live that, God will deliver justice as we begin this story tonight. And justice comes in many forms. But even in the moments of justice, like I said to David Barak, and I am sincere, if you would like to repent and come to Jesus, I will be there. That's the greatness of our nation that is rekindling and rebuilding. It's the fire in our belly of the righteousness and the glory that we walk within in the Holy Spirit. It's the indomitable spirit that's within us that never fears and never quakes at foolishness and tomfoolery that claims to be evil. And it's that nation that cares so much more for the the benefit of others than trying to consume and accumulate for ourselves. We've learned a different type of walk to take time to look outward before we hoard inward. We've taken time now over these last few years, so many, to listen to God, to talk to God, rather than to yell at the TV or try to think we can carry it all on ourselves. And that's happened because we've learned we've had to. We don't have this country back yet. We'll get it back. It's great. The people are great. And when you've traveled the world to meet so many others, you realize how great a nation of people we really have. I've traveled throughout Europe and the Middle East and the Eastern Rim. And they say this kind of these euphemisms many times of like, there's no place like home. Well, I'll say it a different way. There's no people like Americans. And the hearts are huge. Their sincerity is powerful. And outside of the enclaves of crazy, which happen like in Portland and San Francisco, but even there you will find greatness because in the enclaves and crazy, there's other enclaves of patriots. What we have to do is continue the march forward to realize that we are greater than they, because we are greater through him. And that there is no stopping what we've started, as long as we continue to pursue the love and glory within Jesus. Making America great again begins with God back on the throne not the house, not the 401k, not the mightiness of the military. 
All of that follows within due course, in appropriate fashion as God leads. And that's what we have to get back to. When we finally restore this nation to what the level that we're talking about, we will end up with a president that is strong enough and mighty enough to humble himself before God as he speaks to the nation. We will end up with a Congress that is mighty enough to begin every session on their knees in repentance and for guidance to lead this nation to greatness and to guide their hands to make wise and sound decisions and to avoid the temptations that can come with power. When we restore this nation to its greatness, our military won't be defending the rights of transgenders. It'll be beginning every day without question, with prayer, to lead them to greater glory, remembering the the lessons even taught by the great generals like Patton, that an army will not succeed without the prayers of a nation and without the prayers within its ranks a lesson we need to remember today. We are going to see many things fall. And we might even see the fall of our military. I don't know. But I'm no longer there where I, that even bothers me. At a point it did. Because what I know is in order for us to rise again, to truly be America as it is in greatness, every part of our lives as to once again carry the mightiness of our Lord. And we have to carry the strength to humble ourselves before him. That's what I fight for. That's what making America great means to me. That's what I believe making America great meant to our founding fathers. And it's definitely the equation that we know if we really listen to what God is saying, is what he's asking of us. So, the political realm is muckery. The fight for this nation right now is not a fight that we have a direct seat at the table. That political fight at the levels and tiers that they're operating in, they're in nether netherland right now, literally, obsessed with their psyop and deceptions and their maneuvers, all apparently to wake a nation. But not one of these people in that realm that's pulling off their fights of deception and and so forth has even considered this. They've not considered the power of humility and leading a nation in a pair of repentance. They've not considered the power of honesty in speaking and testifying to their honesty in their heart and their mistakes that they've made as a leader because they're afraid it will show them to be weak. Missing the point that those teens, those kids that used to be Americans, no, we're not anymore. We're adults. We're at the table. They don't see us yet, but we're there. They don't accept us in their club, but we don't care. Because it's their club that we're kicking out. And it's our seats that are growing. 
We are the rightful stewards and sovereigns of this nation. Don't ever forget that. We are the ones that were given this country, not them. And I don't care if it's a good them or a bad them. They seem to forget that in their power, because they've got legislation and they've got guns and they've got money, none of that's going to heaven. And when we walk with the power of the Holy Spirit, none of that comes close. We are given the authority by God himself. And we walk with that authority of kingdom. And unless they accept Jesus and unless they walk with Jesus, they're just the clown show on the side that you can decide to spend time to watch or not. But the true sovereigns are us. And we have to remember this. We can never lose sight of this. And I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how you dress. I don't care whether you're in a great shape or not a great shape. I don't care if you like chocolate cake or if you prefer cherry pie. I don't care if you like coffee or you like warm milk. Here's what I care about. And the only thing each of us really needs to care about. Do we put our eyes first and foremost on Jesus? Have we accepted Christ in our heart to be reborn and to repent for our sins? And do we accept the authorities given to us and truly believe in those authorities that allow us to walk with the kingdom in this world and to enjoy those moments of intimacy with Father God and Jesus? When we are in that place, everything else doesn't matter. That's making America great again. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Just from the bottom of my heart as we speak tonight, thank you. There's just such a need to continue to hear your guidance and your wisdom to remind us of what our true authorities are and what our true mission is here. When the world gets big like this and it's noisy, so many things are being thrown at us, and there seems like an unrelenting level of burdens that fall upon us. Forgive us for the steps we make as we too often and, in, and too frequently look to the leadership of men to solve our problems. Father, we know that through you all things are possible. And these this mass of people, all of us, who just a few years ago were probably more like children and teenagers. The last couple of years, the shaking has woken us and grown us. And we're humbled in so many ways. You've given us eyes to see. You've dropped the scales from where we were. You've stood us up and give us, given us height and strength. You've given us the ears to hear and to hear more clearly, to cut through the noise. And with that, you've given us discernment. We're still stumbling, and we will stumble. We're human. But you have never stopped loving us. You've never stopped believing in us. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. 
Your love is beyond anything that we can imagine, and we continue to strive to understand it even more. To live with a forgiving heart, to walk with love for our neighbor, to trust in you to bring justice as when justice is needed, to see justice as restorative first, not punitive first, but to have the mightiness of the warrior within us, knowing that we have the tools to win this decisively, that the enemy is ultimately outmatched, and to appreciate that there is evil. And as we appreciate that there is evil, to understand that the evil that we are facing is true evil, to fear not, and to stand boldly against such evil and trust in you to help us run this fight. We're getting better. We're getting stronger, Father. Thank you. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, it's a time for us to really be American again. And it's the season. Pay attention to your neighbors. Pay attention to your surroundings. There's a lot of people in need. Look for the need, not the judgment of what they don't have. It's pretty easy to get those two flipped on its head sometimes. Right now, we're going to be the examples for a new America. It's the way we live our faith, not just speak our faith. And when we're living our faith like that, we we literally become the moth that seeks the flame, and we are the flame. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And he'll always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. This is a war. And it's a spiritual war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Get back in my body